Welcome to Bitch Out of Water, a show about trying things. We are the World Girls. I'm Roxy. That's Steph. Hey, Whirlish. This is Darina. What's up, D? Hola, hola. Uh, excited to talk about that. Yeah, this feels like I know that I'm I'm the main character in this story today, but it does feel like such a D episode because as you've taught us, we're all going to die, so don't be a dick. And as I was thinking about what are the biggest lessons that I've learned after losing a parent, that's kind of, you kind of hit the nail on the head on that one, D. You definitely hit the nail on the head. So we're going to talk about that today. I guess the best way I can phrase this is that today we are giving your mom dying a whirl, which sounds super fun. I know you guys are all stoked on it, but really the thing is that we all just lived through a global pandemic. We're still living through one, which means that it's very likely if you're listening to this podcast right now, you have lost somebody and that might be a parent or it might not be. It might be a friend or a grandparent or a sibling or anybody that you could possibly lose because this has been a really challenging time for a lot of people, especially because of the amount of people that have been dying. And some of that due to uh, the the virus and some of that to, due to not the virus. And it's just been a, a year of many deaths. So hopefully this will be helpful to you guys because I think that one of the best things you can do if you've given something a whirl that's kind of sucked is try to help other people who have to give that thing a whirl. And that is my intention today. So just for a little background on me and what I have gone through, I lost my mom to brain cancer 10 years ago when I had just turned 20 years old. She had been sick for three and a half years, and that's definitely a a show for a different time on dealing with somebody who is terminally ill. But the for the purposes of this conversation, what you guys need to know is she was sick for a while, and then we knew she was going to die, and she died when, when I was in college across the country. And it's kind of strange to talk about her because I don't know if this has happened to any of you guys when somebody dies, but you don't know whether to talk about them in present tense or past tense, like anytime. I talk about my mom, I kind of switch it up where I'll be like, I have the best mom. I only get one mom. So I do feel like I have the best mom, but she's dead. So then people will be like, oh, what does she do? And I'm like, oh, she lies underground. And that's where she resides right now. So then you start talking in past tense and it's like, I had the best mom, but that feels kind of like disrespectful to her because as if she she was the best mom and then she fucked up or something and then she wasn't the, a good mom anymore. So forgive me if I kind of go back and forth between talking about her as if she's still here and she's or she's not. She's not. But when she was here, she was the shit. Just a really, really great mom. I was incredibly lucky to be in a family where my mom was able to be a full-time mom. And so she was 24-7 on mom duty. She was at every single soccer game volunteered for every single play I was in which was in a ton and they were also awful I did this troupe called the the freelance players where we would make up plays and songs and then we would put them on like seven nights in a row and she would come to every single one of them and do hair and makeup for like 60 kids and I did that for a decade so just a really there for you every lacrosse game every basketball game every soccer game every single art project her whole motto was the only bored people are boring people. So everything we did was an exciting, fun. She was just super duper on top of it and just a full-time mom. And so I think that everybody has a different relationship with their parent, obviously. But if you have a relationship like this with somebody, whether it is your mom or another person in your life, when they are gone, it obviously leaves a massive fucking hole of somebody that was fulfilling so many different roles in your life because on top of being a mom she was definitely my best friend she was the person that I spoke to on every car ride in between every single class you're texting with her all the time so it was like losing many people at once which I know a lot of people suffer with Uh, and she had definitely been somebody who saw me I think it was a really difficult child to totally see I remember this one time we were we were driving by the street of deer. There was like a bunch of deer on the side of the road. And we were driving by. It was me, my brother, my sister, my mom. And she said, look, there's a bunch of deer over there. And we drove by and spoiler alert, I have really bad vision. I've had really bad vision since I was a little kid. I can't even, I know I should get glasses, but I I have not. So we drove by and my sister, my brother saw the deer. And 
I was like, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And it was on the side of the highway. And I started crying because that's the kind of kid I was. Everybody had seen the deer. And I'm sitting there like, I didn't see the deer. And I don't know what the deer looks like. I'm never going to know how a deer is. And so my mom took us on like a 45-minute detour off the highway, around, back down, pulled over on the side of the fucking road, and we got out of the car for me to see the deer. And she made my siblings wait in the car while she walked me to go see the deer because for some reason it mattered to me. And she was just the kind of person where if something mattered to me, she didn't need to know why. She was just going to make it happen. So I was very, very lucky to have her. And then, of course, we had a very tumultuous relationship in my teens because many teenagers do with their parents. And then she died. And that is where we are today. And the things that I want to talk to you guys about in case you have any kind of similar experience to me. You know that when that happens, when that death happens, it feels like at first it absolutely will never be okay again. And you can't picture a world in which it is going to be okay. But 10 years later, I can tell you guys it absolutely will be. It doesn't mean it doesn't suck, but you'll be okay and it will be okay. And maybe some of these things will be helpful for you guys on your journey to getting to that point. So I wanted to go over 10 things that have helped me live after my mom died and Some of these might sound really strange to you guys, especially if you've never lost somebody. But if you have, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about or maybe this will help. So the first thing is that if it's specifically a parent of yours that has died, the bitter pill that you need to swallow is that's what's supposed to happen. Your parents are supposed to die. And they might not have been supposed to die when you are in your teens or your 20s or your 30s or your 40s. That might not be when they you feel they were supposed to die because, you know, right now the life expectancy is, I think, somewhere in your late 70s or early 80s. And so they might die too soon. But if you have a parent who dies, one of the things that you have to come to grips with is that's the actual natural way of life. It's not natural for your child to die. That's not what's supposed to happen. The, the parents are supposed to outlive the children. And it might not feel as natural for somebody your age, a friend or a sibling. But if you've lost a parent... I think one of the first things that really hit me was, okay, so I lost my mom when I was 20 and that was too soon, but it wasn't the universe not working how it's supposed to. That actually was supposed to happen at some point. And for some reason, that kind of helped me on my journey to know, like, I didn't get fuck fucked. It's still not right, but it is okay because that's how it was supposed to go, if that makes any sense. Did you remind yourself that as much as you needed or was it kind of once that hit you, it hit you? It was once it hit me because I was sitting there, Steph, all the time just thinking, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. How am I supposed to live the rest of my life? You know, my sister was 15 years old. I had just turned 20. So and my mom had been sick since I was a teenager and, and she was unable to speak or walk. So I had really lost my mom in my teens And I just kept thinking, it's not fair. It's so wrong. And those actually aren't helpful thoughts because maybe that's true. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe it is so wrong. But at the end of the day, everyone is supposed to deal with losing their parents. If you're lucky, if you're lucky enough to have parents who are in your life, then you are supposed to deal with them dying. And just when it happens is the the variable there so when you were a teenager and you knew this may happen at some point were you actually thinking this is not fair as in like the general i don't want to lose my parent or was it more like in general like i just don't want anybody that i love to die versus like actually thinking about this is just a natural thing that happens like in life and everybody like i say we're all gonna die yeah i think it's a combination because My mom used to say her least favorite song was Only the Good Die Young because that's so unfair. And she was such a good person. So I just felt like she had done enough to live longer. And that's just not how the world works. That's not the way that it goes. But I felt like she put in her time to make the world a better place on all different levels, you know, between the amount of community service she did for my town is unbelievable the amount of love she gave her children as a parent was incredible so I just felt it was unfair because she was a great person 
But that's not how it works. There's some really, really horrible people that outlive everybody. And that's, I guess, not ours to really question. That sucks, but it's not like she died because she was a great person. She was a great person, and then she also happened to die young. So that, I think, was why Dia just kept thinking about, it would be unfair if this happened to anybody who's a teenager who loses their parent, but I felt like my mom was an extra good human, and so that seemed even more unfair. I've always known that Lori, your mom, is amazing, and I'm I'm sad that I never got to meet her hopefully one day in another dimension but I had no idea that she's the one that enabled and encouraged your FOMO by showing you that deer I know I know who knows maybe maybe it wasn't the best parenting move but for me as her daughter I just needed that in that moment and she did it so that's one thing especially if it's a parent that's one thing just to remember it's supposed to happen that way I know that sucks to hear but that's the way it's supposed to go the second thing that I want to talk about is called DPC now, if you know me, you know that I tend to make people really uncomfortable with the DPC, which stands for Dead Parents Club. It's something that my little sister and I decided after my mom had died that we were founding members of, and we made this fake club that doesn't exist. It's not like a Facebook club or a real, you have to like submit yourself. It's just anybody who's lost a parent is part of the DPC. And being part of a community made me feel better because so many people have lost somebody and there's so many people who have lost a parent. So this works for anybody that you lose, if it's the dead friend club or the dead sibling club or the dead whatever club. I also feel as if I'm one of the first phone calls of anybody who loses a parent because everybody knows that I'm a member of this club because I talk about it so often. And so when any of my friends have lost somebody, they call me because they they know I can talk to them about it and can relate. And that's because I'm very vocal about DPC. And so I think that it's not something to shy away from. It's not something to pretend like it's a, a secret. If you're part of the DPC, wear it like a badge of honor. And that's definitely something that we've done, even though it sounds weird. We started this chant because this is sick and twisted humor that helps you get through things. And we would go around the room and go, DPC, yeah, you know me. DPC, yeah, you know me. And all of our friends would be like, what the fuck? And it's not for them. You know, it doesn't matter that people understand why you think something is funny or why it helps you. It just matters that it helps you. And so that might not work for you guys at home. That might sound horrible and then don't try it. But if you would like, if you are DPC and want to be a member of the club, that's all it takes. You're already part of the team. So... DPC, yeah, you know me. Do you think Batman sings that? I hope so. It's actually funny because today I was talking a lot about Batman and I was thinking, wow, this is such a good Batman episode. Like Batman, and this is one of the things my sister and I decided, my sister and I can never be president of DPC, at least not at this point, because our president needs to be somebody who has two dead parents. And so we can only be VPs because we have one dead parent, but somebody trumps us and that's Batman. Batman is low-key president of DPC, and he doesn't even know it yet. So I just imagine him in the Batcave. DPC, yeah, you know me. It's my best Batman impression. (laughs) That is why I asked. Just for that reason. The third thing that I think helped me is that my dad told me when my mom died, and at the time it was very annoying, but then it ended up being very true, is that the hole in your heart eventually is filled with memories. And that is how it has worked for me. So when somebody dies, it feels like part of you is missing if somebody is that close to you, if they're somebody who is really affecting your everyday life. And so when they die, of course, it feels like an arm has been cut off or you're missing fingers or that there's there's this ache, there's this pain. And it hurts to think about that person at first. But as time goes on, that whole kind of starts to feel nice and fuzzy and like it's the only thing you have are the memories. And so I've really tried to spend a lot of time filling that hole with memories and especially memories that might not at the time have meant as much to me. But now looking back, I feel like there was a reason they happened. So my mom, when she was really sick, 
one of the last things we ever did together was we actually this is my mom's shirt and it's a bruce springsteen shirt she went around the country she traveled to like 52 or some crazy amount of bruce springsteen shows she was a diehard fan she's from new jersey she grew up just absolutely loving him her and her best friend would go to every show i was a baby i was like six months old and she left me in the boiling hot car because she saw bruce springsteen and she didn't give a flying fuck about anything but him and ran to go talk to him like this is a diehard fan and we had never seen a a Bruce show together I had never seen a Bruce show at all and my mom was super sick this was the year that she died it was a couple of months before and we had tickets to go to the show and she was not feeling good because she was still on chemo and she was really hurting and I remember saying to her you know it doesn't matter we'll go to another Bruce show and she was like no we gotta get to the show and so we did and we went to the show and it was It was a great night. It was a really wonderful night. I got to watch Bruce Springsteen with my mom. But it's a better night even looking back at it because what I wasn't aware of at the time was how sure she was that she was going to die and how much she knew that there wouldn't be another time we could do this, that this would be the last time we could go see Bruce together and anything you want to do, you have to actually do it, even if it means that you're not feeling so great or even if it means that it's a little bit of a pain in the ass. And so... Those are some of the memories that I think about. I think about my mom when she was also on chemo coming and visiting me for parents weekend at USC. We walked to the Coliseum together and it took us like three hours to walk there and she was so fucking sick and we had to stop at a trash can for her to puke in because it was so hard for her to get there but she was so determined to get there and I remember thinking that day like this is one of the worst days of my life and looking back it's one of the best days of my life because my mom cared so much about coming here and making me feel like a normal kid who had a parent at parents weekend and was going to push through everything and I thought that was the horrible moment and none of the moments with her were actually any of the bad moments it's the moments that she's not there for so that hole starts to fill with these memories some of them that you wouldn't even expect to be in that hole and let them come even if it feels a little weird for me to say like one of my best memories with my mom is her puking in a trash can when I think about the kind of mom that I had, it really embodied her that she was like, no, fuck you, chemo. I don't care. I'm going to take you and I'm going to walk to the Coliseum anyway. And we got in a joint rolling competition on our way there because she was smoking a ton at that time. She always was a pothead, but smoking a lot because of the chemo. And we just trailed behind everybody, puking in the trash can, rolling joints, smoking the joints, puking in the trash can. And like looking back, it's kind of wild, but that's, it's one of my favorite memories of her. So you just don't know. One of the other things, so the fourth thing that's helped me survive after my mom did not is what is tattooed on my shoulder. It says, better not bitter. This is a phrase that I live by. And to elaborate on it a little bit, actually guest of our show, Tiffany Van Gogh, talked about this a little bit with us she talked about getting the most bang for your buck if something is happening to you and I fully believe in this if bad things are going to happen to you if bad shit takes place you have to be somebody who grows from it and learns from it and becomes better because of it and doesn't get bitter because we can't help sometimes that really bad things are going to happen to us right like I could there was nothing I could do to keep my mom from dying and that's one of the things you realize when somebody has cancer and it's cancer of the brain, there was nothing. It's not a a disease that you can prevent. It's not something that you can control. And once you are diagnosed with it, every person who has a stage four glioblastoma has died. So you know what's going to happen. And so you have to start retraining your brain instead of being like I was at the beginning, which is this is not fair. This fucking sucks. Why me? Instead, okay, maybe it's not fair. Maybe it does suck. And I'm not sure why me, but the fact is that it's happening and now I need to move forward and make that work. And so like Tiffany talked about getting the bang for your buck, learning as many lessons as you can from whatever life throws at you. My version of that is just saying better, not bitter. And I really try hard not to be a prick because this happened to me. I called my sister and asked her, I said, what is your number one piece of advice for anybody who has lost somebody especially if they lost their parent and she said to me don't treat people shitty it will feel like people aren't showing up for you the way you want them to take a day before you confront them to see if they are actually being shitty or they're just not your parent 
And I thought that that was really poignant because totally when things first happen, you feel so pissed at everybody and so bitter and nobody can, nobody's showing up in the right way and nobody's doing enough and nobody cares about you and the world sucks and everybody's out to get you and that's your brain playing tricks on you. Now, some people are shitty and some people aren't showing up and that sucks. And for sure, I lost a lot of friends over my mom dying because some people can't get their heads out of their asses. But most people do care and most people do show up and you kind of have to switch your mindset to being better, not bitter in terms of letting those people show up and, and accepting them and doing it in a way where you're not treating the people that you have left like shit because you have to remember how easily you could lose anybody, which is how you got there in the first place. So that would be my my fourth lesson to you guys. So much so that's my only tattoo. And I think probably will stay my only tattoo unless I ever have something else important enough to put on my my body. The fifth one, the fifth thing that I think is helpful is to put reminders everywhere so it's not jarring when your dead person is brought up. So this has been really helpful to me. My mom is very much so a part of my life still because as you guys know, I'm wearing her shirt. This is her ring. I have things around the house, artwork that hung over her bed. There are things in my closet when I open it that were hers. So I'm used to her presence. And so when somebody brings her up, it doesn't feel like I'm under attack or like that's something that I'm not ready to speak about because I just very much so kept her in my life. And I think if you can put little reminders all around your space, whether that's letters or cards or images, photos of her or whoever it is that you lost, I think it makes your transition a lot easier to not having them here because you don't want to get caught off guard. It should never feel when somebody brings up your person like that's a horrible thing because that that comes with its own set of trickery and you you don't want somebody to mention you know you you guys say my mom's name you say Lori and I feel so much love for that I love that you guys know her name that she lives on that she's everywhere in my space and if she wasn't in this space it would be too jarring when people brought her up I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to handle it in the same way so if you can if you can keep them in your life as much as you can and obviously this is more specific to if you had a positive relationship with somebody who passed then I think it can be really helpful. Do you think that makes it easier? Because I can imagine one of the difficult parts is when someone asks something like, oh, what does your mom do? Not knowing that they're not here. But when you have those reminders around in your life, and I know you personally speak about Lori openly and quite often as you should, because she's dope as fuck. But do you think that helps people have a better interaction with you regarding your mom? I think so. I try to make people's journey easier to navigating my mom with me. So You know, if I'm on a first date, and by date, I mean first interaction, so first friendship lunch or first any kind of thing, you kind of drop hints so that somebody doesn't feel so off guard. You know, it's already already all over my social media. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that my mom's dead, at least if you've looked at my stuff. But then when people will say, oh, what do your parents do? I'll say, this is what my dad does. And then usually... People who understand the way it works will understand that means that either my mom's no longer with us or I don't have a relationship with my mom. So I I try to make it a little easier on people and don't say things anymore like, oh, well, my my dad does this. My mom's dead, though. And then people tend to get a little uncomfortable, which is fine. You can do that. But I, I do try to make other people's journey a little easier just by teeing them up for it. And so... If you're in my place and there's a lot of pictures of her, then it's a, an easier conversation starter. Like, oh, who is this? Oh, that was my mom. That's the past tense coming through again. And then usually I say something awkward like, well, still is my mom. She's just not here. But this is one and only mom. <laughs> Shit like that. So You are literally, out of everybody I know that's lost somebody close or near and dear to them, you're so fantastic at, at talking about it. Thank you. And so number one, great advice on having things that you that remind you of the person because I remember when when my grandma died who was kind of like a parent because she helped raise me 
I was devastated if like a song would come on the radio that reminded me of her or things like that. So two questions. One is, how much time do you think? Do you, because obviously everybody grieves in different ways and there's all of the different stages of like denial and accepting and all these things. So like how much time do you think that is it immediately where you're like, I'm going to surround myself with all of my mom's stuff? Is that what you did? Is it something that you realize later on that you should do? And then my second question would be is, why do you think it makes people so uncomfortable when somebody mentions the death of somebody they love, like a parent? Great questions. I think the first thing is obviously so individual and it depends how old you are. What my advice would be if you've just lost somebody is just don't throw anything out yet because you don't know what you're going to want. And like you, D, at first, hearing anything Bruce Springsteen or anytime a movie she loved would come on, at first when she died, it felt like like an earthquake. It felt like the ground was shaking and, you know, you I'd crawl into a little ball and felt like it, I wouldn't be okay. And so I thought that I might always feel like that. But now when Bruce comes on, I feel like my mom is, and you know, I don't believe in God and, and any of that, but I do feel like my mom somewhere is being like, you got this. And that's just what I've decided. Not because I believe in anything, but that's just a decision I've made. I've decided that when Bruce comes on, that's a little hello from my mom. How, how I've made that decision, I don't know. But I think that how you feel at first is not how you're eventually going to feel. And you just don't want to do anything permanent that doesn't give you options down the line. So if you have a bunch of stuff from somebody or photographs or clothing and your first instinct is, I need to get rid of this. I, I can't have any of this stuff. I got to burn it. I got to throw it out. It can't be here. Maybe just live with the fact that it exists. You don't have to open that closet or you don't have to go through things. But just let it exist for a minute because there might be a moment in which that actually brings you joy and relief and not pain. And sometimes that can take six months. Sometimes that could take a few years. I think for me, it took me probably about two years to really love wearing her clothes or to really love looking at her photo. And I was 20, so I was... a I was young, but I was still mature enough to have memories with her. I would imagine that if you were a child, you know, if you were somebody who was five years old, they would feel very different. If you're somebody who's 40 years old, 70 years old, there's a, a whole different array of emotions. But just hold on to the things till you think you're going to know more. And then in terms of why people are so uncomfortable with it, I think everybody's uncomfortable with death. No, that's not true. A lot of people are uncomfortable with death, myself included. It's scary to think about anybody dying because most of us have a self-absorbed place in ourselves, myself included, who when you think of somebody else dying, you think of yourself dying or you think of your lover dying or you think of somebody in your life dying and the pain that comes with that can be unimaginable and scary and we don't know what happens next. Nobody does. So I think that hearing about anybody dying is awkward but more so, we don't know how to process it because we don't know what it means. We just know they're not here. And, and I think that that causes a lot of stress and, and anxiety for people. Which is why I'm glad we're talking about it because I think that talking about these things, even though we don't know what happens, is what helps us process these things. And in the end, when you, I think, face your own mortality and your loved one's mortalities, that's when you end up, I think, having a better life for yourself because... I think you just end up appreciating your life more and, and therefore you kind of stop caring about the little bullshit things every day. I agree. This sixth one kind of piggybacks off the fifth one. And I'm, I'm curious for anybody who's lost somebody how you guys feel about this. But this is what's been helpful for me. I only let myself go down the rabbit hole a couple times a year. Which means that while I have many memories and things around my house... There's only a couple times a year that I will say, all right, fuck it, death wins today and I'm not doing this today. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to, for me, I have a, a video of my mom of her life and I'll watch that once a year or sometimes I will go back and listen to voice messages she left me or read this card that she wrote me before I went to college or really just go down the fucking rabbit hole. And, and I'll deem those to be days that I are just chalked up to, I'm not doing it today. I'm spending time with my mom today. And today's going to suck. And I'm just going to let myself feel all the things. But I don't give myself more than a couple times a year to do that. 
usually that happens to be on her birthday, on the anniversary of her death, and on Mother's Day, especially on the anniversary of her death, where I just decide that's what that day is. And so that's what the whole day is going to be. And it's okay to do that a couple times a year and let yourself feel. But if you are sitting in it every single day, it's actually not beneficial to you anymore. If you're ruminating in it and if every day you're waking up. When my mom first died, I counted every morning. Every morning I woke up, I counted the amount of days I was without my mom. I think it was for the first 1,500 days, which is years of my life. And I would wake up and the first thing I would say every morning would be one, two, three. And there was never a time where you could ask me how, how many days it had been since your mom died and I didn't know the answer for years and years of my life. And then I remember my therapist said to me, it's okay that you're doing that, but why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I felt like it was a weird kind of punishment to myself. Like I just wanted to wake up and say out loud, mom, I promise the first thing I'm thinking about every morning is you and I'm never going to let a day go by where you're not the first thing I'm thinking about. And that's what the day is. The day is how many days it's been since you have been here. And it wasn't actually helpful to me. It wasn't beneficial. It didn't help me move forward. And it was just like a weird punishment in the mornings to myself where my life wasn't real anymore. It was all about today is day 479 without my mom. And so I think that was me going down the rabbit hole every single day. And it was when I stopped counting and had to really train myself, stop counting. That's not what your life is. Your life is not just a series of days since your mom died that I started to actually feel better. And then those days that you do go down the rabbit hole feel justified and feel okay and feels like, yeah, of course, there's going to be a couple of days a year where I'm really thinking about her and I'm really fucking sad because she's gone and that sucks. But it's not every day of your life and it's not preventing you from, from functioning anymore. And so I would advise anybody who can, anybody who has control over it, which takes a lot of therapy and a little bit of time, to really try to limit yourself to not going down that hole every day. The seventh thing that I think is helpful is, as you guys can tell, making jokes about it and making jokes regardless of how it makes other people feel. So like I said, when it comes to DPC or anything, I am completely fine making jokes that are just for me. I think that's actually where it comes. Uh, that's probably where my love of my butt for jokes come from. If you don't watch our show, then you don't know that every single episode I try to make a joke about what's a butt for pooping silly. But I think it's because I'm so used to telling jokes uh, that are just for me because I have to, I have to laugh at the things that are sad. And so I make awkward, uncomfortable, weird jokes about my mom all the time. Or anytime somebody makes a yo mama joke, I can't help but say, well, she would, but she's dead. So, you know, the, those little things that you throw out there and those are for me. And so it's okay. If you think something's funny, I wouldn't be ashamed of that. I know it probably feels like, Ugh, am I supposed to be laughing at my dead parent Ugh, or dead whoever it is? But like, so what? And if you had a mom like mine or a person like mine, very likely they would prefer you to be laughing than crying. And so it's okay. And that's fine. And I assume that took time to get to a place where you're... Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, Steph. That definitely does not come immediately. And I think that when somebody first dies, I don't even think there's a joke on the planet that's funny to you anymore. Like about the person or not. Just people are making jokes. And it's like... How are you making jokes right now? My mom's dead. I would be watching things like Pineapple Express and I'd be like, I can't believe they're making movies like this when my mom's dead. And you're just not processing things. Like how could somebody else, they think that's funny? Or, you know, with what's going on in the world today, there's so many things that are so fucking sad. And when you're living through anything, whether it's a personal thing or a global thing, and you're not in the mood for jokes, jokes seem miserable. But then there's a point in your life where you decide, actually don't feel like being miserable anymore. And so that's going to be funny because I'm going to will it to be funny. In, in terms of finding the funny, I talked about my mom's biopsy that gave her a, that gave her a limp 
for the rest of her life. She she walked with a limp and she wouldn't use a cane or anything. So she just had one leg that kind of dragged. And so it kind of sounded like like one step and then like one step and then a slide situation. So this is something that my siblings and I laugh at non-fucking-stop. But there was a time when much my mom was sick and my brother had moved home. He had left school to come back and live at my parents' house. And because he was 21 and living at my parents' house, but he was still of college age, he would have girls over the house. And so he, he always recalls a story in which he was in a bedroom with this girl who he had over consensually and my mom didn't know that somebody was over and so she was calling him she's calling his name calling his name and the girl starts hearing she's like what is that what is and it's just the peg leg sound drag peg leg drag and he said he always it was always incredible because that was the giveaway to like get your clothes back on like you started hearing the drag come through then you knew it was like she couldn't walk anywhere quietly at all anymore because she there was no sneaking up on anybody and so the the drag was very helpful for my brother but there's little things like that that are so fucking stupid to be funny but they are they're funny that's fu- that's funny if you picture somebody dragging their foot they're trying to like see what's going on and they're dragging their foot you're going to hear them and it's just it's one of the things that we that we really have been able to laugh at which is lucky i'm i'm very lucky i have two siblings who have the same sick sense of humor that i do and so make the jokes. No matter who's bothered by them, it's fine. Next up on our list for number eight, accept that other people have bad relationships with the person that you lost. So I had a great relationship with my mom and I lost her. A lot of people have really bad relationships with their mom. That one has taken me a minute to deal with. I have a lot of friends who don't speak to their moms or a lot of friends who have really tumultuous relationships with their moms. And for the first few years after my mom got sick, I remember being like the mom police and going around to my friends who who I felt like weren't saying nice things to their moms. You know, they would say to their mom, like, I'd, I'd be over their place and they'd be like, Mom, I told you to get the skim milk and you didn't get the skim milk, Mom. And I, I took it upon myself to tell every single person, I was like, you know, your mom could be dead one day. Are you really going to want to talk to her like that? And that's definitely overcorrecting too much. That's just like, let somebody live their life. And I do love the perspective I have. And I think if you can have a great relationship with anybody, insert whatever person it is, again, parent, friend, or whatever, It's if you can choose to do that, it's a great choice to make. But in case you lost somebody, and you notice people around you don't have a positive relationship with that person, that's okay. That has nothing to do with you and your mom. That doesn't have anything to do with you and the relationship you had with your person. And you don't have to be the mom police. You don't have to be the person who is out to fix everybody's relationship with their parents or judges people for the relationship they have. Feel lucky if you had a beautiful relationship with that person in your life. And know how lucky you were to have that. And if that other person had the same kind of relationship with their mom or whoever it was, then they probably wouldn't be treating them that way. So I think that one of the things is to stop playing the comparison game. Because I think a lot of people do this when they first lose somebody. And it's really unhelpful for yourself and very alienating to go around and tell other people how they should treat their loved ones. When you don't know, you don't know the story, you don't know the situation. And so just learn to accept that not everybody is going to treat people the way that you deem is the proper way. And you also have no fucking right and don't know what's going on. You definitely practice what you preach, Roxy Stryer, because as Steph and Roxy know, I'm working on my relationship with my mom. That's for another episode. And uh, every time that's brought up between me and the girls, Roxy literally says, she's not my mom my mom's awesome and I'm thankful and she just like you make me feel actually comfortable enough for me to bring up this subject when I do have issues with her knowing full well that like I know that you lost an amazing fucking mom right and it's so important to me that I do that because anybody's relationship with their mom whether that mom walked out on them when they were born whether that mom is the greatest mom on the planet or anywhere in between 
every person's relationship with their mom highly affects their life. And so people have to be able to talk about that. And you don't want to be somebody that your friends can't go to because for some reason you've deemed yourself to be the holier than thou knower of all things mom. It just is, it's not a cute look and it's not true. It's, you know, not, not one of us knows what anybody is going through. And so that's definitely been a little bit of a journey for me. And I, I think I said some really rude things to some of my fellow high school students at the time. Like really rude. I mean, it's not, it's not a nice thing to say to somebody. You don't know when they're going to die. She could drop dead right now. Do you know? Are you going to be happy that's what you said? You asked about the skim milk? It's like, what the fuck rocks? It is kind of fucking hilarious, but. Incredible. I, I hear you. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. So. You know, I was the mom police. Proud of it. So number nine, coming. we're coming to the end here, guys. This is one that is, I say with an asterisk, you're not going to be the best version of yourself during this time. So take that out off your plate. You're just not going to do it perfectly. Nobody's ever handled somebody dying perfectly. Not one person on the planet. You're just not going to, you're not going to knock it out of the park. You're not going to pitch a perfect game. It's not going to happen. And you're going to be like the saint of all saints and not say one thing wrong and not do one thing wrong. So take that burden off of your chest and instead, do things that you know you can live with. So what you might not want to do during this time is cheat on your spouse or leave somebody. You might not want to go and become a, a drug addict or punch people in the face, end up in jail. Things that you are going to have a really hard time dealing with the repercussions even long after you have dealt with your grief. But it's okay to be a little easy on yourself. Remember, you you don't want to snap at your friends. But if you say something that you didn't mean, apologize. People are going to get that you're just not doing well during this time. And try to only pick up habits or things that you know, looking back, you're going to be able to live with. You're going to be able to continue looking in the mirror. I think I half did this and half did not. As you guys know, I really struggled with using opiates during this time and that was very challenging for me to kick and that is something that I very well could not have kicked and that would have fucking sucked that would have just been fucking horrible that not only was I dealing with the death of my mom but then I also had to figure out how to get off fucking drugs and I'm you know one of seven percent of people that was able to do that you don't want to give yourself more problems for the future so Try to remind yourself that the feelings that you're feeling now are only going to get worse if you start adding things to your list that are really challenging to live with. And so, you know, losing somebody is something that's challenging to live with, but it's not challenging to look at yourself in the mirror. Nobody looks at themselves in the mirror and says, I fucking suck because my mom died. But you do look at yourself in the mirror and say, I fucking suck because my mom died. And then I crashed my car and I totaled this and I did this. That's, that's when you start to hate yourself. And so try to really avoid doing anything that's going to make you hate yourself because it's already hard enough. And so if you can, try that. The last one on my list, the 10th thing, we've talked a little bit about it, is to try and be happy if you can. I think a lot of us really try to be miserable during the miserable times, like brooding and just decide like, this is a sad thing that's happening, so I'm going to be miserable. And not everything has to be funny because we talked about finding the funny. But if you can find moments of happiness, that's okay. If going for a walk brings you happiness that day or being outside or listening to music or watching a movie you like or putting on songs that are not depressing, if any of that makes you happy, I think that that is really beneficial to do, especially during the darkness. And when I called my brother and I asked him, what is the piece of advice you have for people who have lost somebody? What is the thing you suggest the most? He said, surround yourself with the company of people you really enjoy. I thought that was a really interesting distinction because it's not as much about surrounding yourself with the people that you really trust or the people that you know have got your back. That's important too. But he said the people that you really enjoy. And that's because some people in your life can be downers and bummers. And when you're going through something like this, it's really nice to be around light. And some people are good for just 
that reason and that's a good enough reason they're just you guys know the people I'm talking about they're balls of joy and light and they're people who do fun things and they'll say let's go to this concert do you want to go to this dinner let's go to Disneyland should we go to the beach for the day and it's nice to have people in your life during these times that you can be with where you really enjoy their presence and so if you can choose happiness it's a really good choice during this time and those would be my 10 tips for dealing with somebody uh, that you recently lost. And hopefully that's helpful for you guys. I think that it can be very challenging. And I root for every single one of you guys because I know that it is not easy. Dee and Steph, do you have any other questions for me? Any things that you guys think might be helpful? I have one kind of last question because that was definitely a lot of great advice there for losing somebody that you love that's very close to you. Now let's move a little bit to our own mortality. How has this process of you dealing with your mom's death helped you or what has it done for you to be able to face your own mortality? Because I know out of the three of us here, it seems that Steph and I have kind of, you know, it's not that we want to die, but we kind of maybe are in the way of accepting it. And you're always joking that you're never going to die. Yeah, it's really scary for me. One of the worst parts about my mom dying was that she so badly didn't want to die until the very day she died. She was never okay with it to the point where my dad asked her to write letters to all the kids to read when she died. And she said she just couldn't do it because she couldn't commit to the fact that she was going to die. And she was really scared to die and didn't want to go. And watching that was awful because I think at the end, you think most people just kind of accept what's going to happen. And she didn't and fought every second because of that. And I feel that way too. I just really, really don't want to die. And a lot of people in my family die super young and a lot of people make it till they're very old. And maybe I'll feel differently if I make it to 90, 100, 110, 200. I'm really shooting for the stars. And then maybe I will feel better. But I guess I really don't ever want to die. And I really don't want to die soon. I'm just not ready. And I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish. And I don't want to not be on this planet. And I don't want to not be remembered. And so I think it it made it much worse for me. A lot of people watch somebody die. I think it makes it easier and better for them. Because they're like, wow, look, their memory is still alive everywhere. And they're still in people. And for me, I just feel every day like she so badly wished she was here. And it just, it definitely made it a lot worse and harder for me. I know that's probably not what people want to hear. But that's the truth. On the flip side of that, though, I think it's, as all things, there's two sides. And even though that's really dark and sucks, it's also really fucking beautiful that your mom was going through one of the most painful bodily experiences for many years and still, like, the preciousness of life never left her mind. Yeah. Which is, like, the most powerful thing I think we can ever do as humans because we're always going to have shit. But if you can, like, remember there's nothing better than life And then also, I just want to say, I feel like even for me, the most major person that I lost in my life was my grandma, but you can't find the shit on the internet anywhere. And I I know anyone who's lost someone has probably Google searched, how do you get over a a loss? And I, I think if you know anyone who's going through a loss right now, send this to them. And that's not even just, I I didn't do this. Roxy did this. So it's not lost on me, the type of. Uh, self-exploration it must have taken that must have been really fucking tough to realize what worked what didn't work so thank you rocks yeah absolutely absolutely and i hope it is helpful for people who did lose a grandparent or any kind of person i can't imagine the the loss of a child i know that that's a, a completely different ball game and i can't imagine the loss of a husband or a spouse you know there's certain things that this is universal to loss but then of course I'm, I'm not sitting here pretending like I know all kinds of loss I have lost a lot of different people in my life very specifically this one was mostly about my mom but for those of you guys this does help I'm really glad that it did and for those of you guys who this helps a little bit but you still have to go more on your journey because it's more specific that makes sense and and there's a lot of resources and different groups and support groups and therapy that you can go for specifically whoever it is you lost that's one of the best parts about grief is that We really are trying to tackle it as a society and there is a group for everybody. Like there's not just DPC, there's a ton of different grief groups out there and and very specific and a lot of them are virtual during this time too. So 
I definitely recommend looking into people who have experienced the kind of grief that you've experienced as well, whoever you are. So what is going on? I know that we have a, a question from a patron. We're so lucky to have the patrons and we try to take a different question every single week. D, is there one coming in this week? Yes, there is, Roxy. Ryan Payne, our wonderful patron Ryan, uh, has a question for you. He says, it's been over a decade since I lost my dad in 2009. He had developed onset diabetes around mid-2000. It affected his system heavily around requiring him to get dialysis and the use of a walker. I've had times when my memory of him fades in and out, mainly due to my last interactions with him. Looking back on it, it gives me an immense sense of guilt for not having better mindset of the present. While I've got to experience growing up with a father, my baby brother and little sister, we are not as fortunate. I guess what I want to ask is, did you ever ask your siblings or anyone in your family about your mom to learn more about her? All the time, and not just my siblings, but my mom's best friends. I am constantly curious because one of the tips that I would give somebody whose parent is still alive if your parent is sick or not, is that I really wish I spent more time asking my mom about my mom. I spent so much time asking her about me. Like, what do you think I'm going to do when I grow up? And who do you, what kind of person do you think I'm going to date? And where do you think I should go to school? And all of those things. And I forgot the only thing that, those are all questions I could probably come up with the answers with. I know at the end of the day, my mom wants me to be happy. So she thinks I'm going to end up with somebody great and doing something that I love. But I wish I had spent more time asking her about herself, her thoughts, her views on the world, her childhood, things like that. And so I definitely recommend that to anybody who still has the time to ask about the way that somebody grew up or, or is. And I think that because of that, I've spent a lot of time asking my dad about what did my mom think about? It will be something as random as Led Zeppelin. And I'll call and be like, did mom like Led Zeppelin? You, just something so random that I don't know the answer to. And luckily my dad sometimes will. Or I'll ask my big brother because he had two years on me. And that doesn't sound like a lot of time. But it is a lot of time when it's those years. And then I really try also to help my sister with that. Because my sister was 11 when my mom was diagnosed and that's when her brain really started to shift and she was a completely different person. So my sister has a lot of questions about my mom and her favorite color, her favorite songs, her favorite movies. And so we definitely spend a lot of time talking about that. And it does really help me to get answers. And luckily my mom was so loved that there's a lot of people who remember a lot of things about her. Great question. That, that is definitely something that I've thought about, especially being so close to Roxy, but experiencing loss yourself, you ask yourself, like, what should I have done to make this better? And one thing Roxy has told me, she's like, interview your family. Yes, yes, absolutely. But that would be Roxy's advice, right? Ask 5,000 questions. You don't know which question is going to have the answer that means the most to you. Ask every question that you possibly can. I'm a big question asker. So I want to also talk a little bit about the pros and cons of this. Feel as if we have identified most of the cons, uh, and you guys could guess them, which is the fact that I, I don't have my mom, and so that sucks. And it really sucks on any major life event, whether you lose a job or you have a new partner or anything, you just want to call your mom, you can't do that. But we did spend a lot of time with the cons, so I do want to focus on there is one main pro and this is what I hold on to every day. And I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe you can give reasons to things and why they happen. And I am a infinitely better person today because my mom died. Just a much, much better person. I don't know that I would have been able to be this kind of person had she not. And so my major pro is that she gave me the gift of having empathy in a way that I never had before. I have a much better relationship with my family. I was certainly the black sheep and I was impossible to be with. I was a nightmare. And now my siblings are my best friends. And I feel as if I have a much better understanding of what matters, what doesn't. And I have a, a better gauge on things that actually hurt versus things that are just kind of like a meh feeling and so 
the biggest pro to anybody who loses somebody and lets themselves grow from it is that you do have the capability of becoming a much better person than you were before. And I'm really, really grateful to her for that because I really don't think that I would have been able to be as helpful to my friends or as loving of a person. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still have work to do. Everybody does. And every day I try to grow. But I went from being a little bit shitty to somebody I'm really proud of. And that is a huge parting gift that she gave me. I also know that we've talked a little bit on this episode about what to do if you are grieving. And some of you guys are privileged enough or are, I guess, lucky enough that you haven't lost an immediate family member or somebody very close. So just a couple quick tips that I think are helpful if you are a friend of somebody who's lost somebody or if you're really close to somebody who's recently lost somebody. The first thing I would say is that write down the date and the name of person that they lost because it once you know the name of that person and the date that they lost them, you have the ability to so brighten your friend's day on that date. You can write it in your phone. You don't have to remember it. You just make a little note to yourself and you know you would say, Roxy lost Lori, her mom, on August 2nd. And then on that date, you can reach out to them. And you can say, I know today's probably really hard thinking about you and Lori. And it means the fucking world to people. And it takes two seconds and then it's saved in your phone forever. Also really nice to reach out to people on the holiday that's relevant. Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe it's Christmas was their favorite holiday, anything like that. So I think that's a really great way to be a friend. I think another way is that it's not a comparison game. So when somebody has just lost somebody, a lot of times as people, we will say things like, oh, you just lost your mom. I lost my dog last year and it was so fucking hard for me. And while that might be completely true, that is so not helpful to the person who just lost their mom. You don't have to compare. You can just be there for somebody and you don't need to talk about who you have lost. If you have lost the exact same kind of person, so if some if like me, I just lost my mom and I'm talking to you, you can add something in like if you ever want to talk about it, I lost my mom five years ago, so I'm I'm happy to help with anything if if it's beneficial for you. You can let them know in case it might be helpful. But a lot of people after my mom died would just go on and on about their friend's aunt that died and it was just a nightmare because the last thing you want to do is deal with more death you're just dealing with your own death so it's not a good time to compare and uh, my final bit of advice little tip is that I think how are you is a silly question a lot of people after somebody's parent or sibling or friend or whatever just died they'll the text will say how are you and the very obvious answer is not good. And you get tired of writing that or get tired of lying. You get tired of writing, I'm fine, thanks, or I'm really fucking not good. So other better things to ask might be, is there anything I can do to be helpful during this time? Is there anything specific that you need? Or ask them a more specific question, like uh, about their morning or their day, anything that is not how are you? Because that seems to be our, I don't know whether this is an American thing or whether this is a global thing, but it seems to be our go-to where we say, where somebody has something horrible happen to them and we say, how are you? And I don't know how people are supposed to answer that question anymore because not good, Sally, not good, you know, not good, Sally, just not doing well. So hopefully that helps you guys if you are the friend of somebody or the lover of somebody who is going through it right now and that those are things that could be beneficial just little tips for you on how to best help them of course you guys have many I'm sure that you've come up with along the way and I would love to hear those from you guys so if you want to continue being a world friend and participating in this community then we would love to to hear from you so thank you for being a bitch out of water with us and learning about giving a dead parent a whirl 
I got to perfect that somehow. I don't think there's any way to properly phrase that. We appreciate you listening. And if you want to be the first to get all things World Girls, go to patreon.com slash theworldgirls. That way you can watch our podcast tapings live. You can ask questions and even video chat with us. Plus, we go live on youtube.com slash theworldgirls every Wednesday and Sunday. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Twitter and TikTok, we're at theworldgirls. And on Instagram, we're at worldgirlswap. We're new here. We're, we're a new podcast. So if you like us, you really, really like us. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. That's important. It really makes a difference to us. So we appreciate it. We're all going to die. And this episode certainly taught us that. So don't be a dick. And also, as always, stay wet, my friends. <laughs>